Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. Yes, I am a new father, first time father, first Father's Day, and I think I'm at like a hundred times I've said that today. This is my first Father's Day. I got all day to say it, and then I can't say it anymore, so I will do that. There she is, right there, front row. Wow, she's beautiful. Her name is Ailee, A-I-L-E-E, and she's just a joy to me and my wife, Sarah. So today is Father's Day. Our text for Father's Day sermon is 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 14 through 21. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 14 through 21. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible, and it says... I'm not writing this to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. For you may have countless instructors in Christ, but you don't have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. This is why I have sent Timothy to you, He is my dearly loved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you about my ways in Christ Jesus, just as I teach everywhere in every church. Now some are arrogant, as though I were not coming to you. But I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills, and I will find out not the talk, but the power of those who are arrogant. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. What do you want? Should I come to you with a rod or in love and a spirit of gentleness? This is the word of the Lord. Well, if you're human, and everyone in here is, if you're human, then you start off life the same way. Born into this world is a little baby girl or a little baby boy. No one just falls from the sky, fully formed as an adult, land on your feet and just go about life. That doesn't happen. We all start off the same way, just like my little daughter here, four months ago. Fragile and helpless, hungry and cute, little bitty babies who need their moms and dads to train them, to raise them up into mature adults. We all start out in a family. The family, the family. Uh, A mom and a dad, a son, daughter, brother, sister, these make up the family. And the family's incredible. The family's an amazing thing, even the boring ones. You might think, I'm from just a plain boring family. Yeah, your family's amazing too. My favorite author, his name is G.K. Chesterton. He wrote this essay long ago. The essay is called On Certain Modern Writers and the Institution of the Family. 
You can find it free online. I highly recommend reading it. But he, he writes about how beautiful and how exciting and how surprising is the ordinary, plain, simple family. Let me just read just one thing he says in here. He says this. The supreme adventure is being born. There we do walk suddenly into a splendid and startling trap. There we do see something of which we have not dreamed before. Our father and mother do lie in wait for us and leap out on us like brigands from a bush. Our uncle is a surprise. Our aunt is, in the beautiful common expression, a bolt from the blue. When we step into the family, by the act of being born, we do step into a world which is incalculable, into a world which has its own strange laws, into a world which could do without us, into a world that we have not made. In other words, when we step into the family, we step into a fairy tale. I love that. The family, it's a place of adventure. It's full of life, of twists and turns, of ups and downs, of celebrations and sadness, of surprises and disappointments. It truly is romantic. I'm thinking of my upbringing. I'm from Oklahoma. There you go, Perry. Every Sunday, Perry's like, Oklahoma! <laughs> Reminding me, I, you know, that's where I'm from. That's right, I am, there, I am from Oklahoma. Oklahoma, I'm from a, I grew up in the country, middle-class family, average. But it doesn't mean it didn't have its adventures. In Oklahoma, we have lots of tornadoes, and my mother's especially scared of tornadoes. So when, when a uh, tornado is remotely close, she would take us to the cellar. We'd put baseball helmets on. She'd take us off to the cellar. All the friends and family would come over. My grandparents lived next door. My grandma would come. We're all in there hiding. My grandpa wouldn't come, though. He'd say, I'm sitting on my front porch. I'm going to watch this tornado, and if it comes close, I'm going to catch it by the tail. I'm going to ride this thing. You know, I'm like 10 when he's telling me this. I'm just like, oh, okay, that's cool. I remember um, one time my dad was working when a tornado happened, so we were all like in the cellar or something, and a couple hours later he shows up, and his, his, uh, his car is all dinged up in the front. And you're like, Dad, what's going on? It's like, well, I heard the tornado was west of town, so I just drove to see if I can see it. And I got close, but then it started raining hail, and it dinged up my car, so I turned around. I'm like, wait, my mom is hiding in the cellar, because she thinks there might be a tornado. My dad's chasing it down with his car, like the opposite uh, uh, reactions. It's just full of twists and turns, the family is. Tornadoes. Well, it is Father's Day, and I want to talk about the family, but I want to talk about fathers especially. Fathers are essential to a happy family. I mean, you can look at some of the studies. There's plenty of research done on the positive impacts fathers have. But I'll just tell you two. The first one is that if, you're, if your dad is involved in your life as a child, then you'll learn the principle of postponed gratification. What does that mean? Well, the thing's worth having, you've got to work for it. My dad would say, if it was easy, everyone would do it. But you've got to work hard to get what's worth having. The second one is children can learn the difference between being assertive and being aggressive because of their dad's presence. There is a difference, and, it's, and they learn to be assertive. And they learn this from the rough-and-tumble play they have with their dad, you know, like 
Dad's throwing the you know, one-year-old up in the air as high as he can. Mom's like, oh, no. What's he doing? Don't throw it so high. But that's really good. The dad's bonding with the kids. The kid's learning the difference, you know, between, you know, like play, the wrestling, you know. They, you know, don't poke dad in the eye. We can't wrestle that way, you know. There's a way to do it right. So they're learning how to be assertive and without going too far. That's a beautiful thing. Dads are awesome, really. Dads are awesome. So let's think about the church. All right, we thought about the family. The church is a family. We today sort of think of the church like, like a business. A business where we have staff, you know, the employees are, are the staff, the pastor's the, the CEO or the manager or something, and we have to produce something every Sunday, and we have customers we have to satisfy or they're going to go to the other church down the road. But according to the Bible, the church is a family. And when you have a family, you have fathers, mothers, sons, daughters, husbands, wives, brothers, sisters. That's the language of Scripture, right? That's what Paul calls uh, the churches, brothers and sisters. And that's how we should relate to each other. So just like the natural family, the church needs spiritual fathers, Just like the natural family needs fathers, the church needs spiritual fathers. You need one, I need one. We all need godly men to show us how to follow Jesus. And that's the big idea I want us to get from uh, our 1 Corinthians passage is that we are to imitate our spiritual fathers. Imitate your spiritual fathers. And I'll unpack this in two points. First, we'll look at the love of the spiritual father. That's verses 14 through 17. And second, we'll look at the power of the spiritual father. That's verses 18 through 21. So uh, verses 14 through 17, the love of the spiritual father. Verse 14, it says, I'm not writing to shame you, but to warn you. It's my dear children. So reading a letter, it's like you're reading, you know, one side of the conversation it's like if you walked in and I was in a room, I'm on the phone, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not telling you this to make you mad, I'm trying to help you. If that's all you heard, you'd be like, what did you just say? You know, what are they talking about? So that's how we should treat this text. So let me just briefly tell you what's going on up to this point. The church in Corinth has experienced revival. The Holy Spirit has come upon them in incredible ways, ways that we've never seen before. The Holy Spirit is moving and saving people, empowering them with all the gifts of the Spirit. And Paul is excited about that. Paul is celebrating that. But the church is also experiencing a big mess. Just like family, right? A lot of awesome things happen, but then there's a lot of issues to work out too. These issues are arrogance, pride, division, and it's rampant. These evils are rampant in the church. What's going on is, in the church, they formed camps. They formed tribes around their favorite leaders, their favorite apostles. They're like, this one's my favorite preacher. No, this one's better. It's like, you know, like, you know, my dad can beat up your dad sort of a thing. Like, we are in competition over who's the best. So Paul spends the first four chapters addressing that issue. And he uses strong language, right? He says that they're arrogant, He says that they're immature and acting like the world. They should be relying on God's spirit, but they're acting like little fools. 
And that's enough to offend anyone. Like if someone called you that, you might take a step back and say, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. He's strongly addressing them. And so when we get to 14, what Paul does is he pauses. And he lowers his voice a bit. Maybe bends down on their level, you know? It's like, I'm writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. He's a father talking to his children, and he's warning them because he loves them. He calls them my dear children. The word dear is often translated beloved. We don't use that word a whole lot anymore. My beloved children. The reason why he's warning them so strongly is because he loves them. He says in verse 15, For you may have countless instructors in Christ, but you don't have many fathers. Right? You have plenty of instructors. You have plenty of positive role models, but you have one dad. Your instructors, they come and go. I'm your father. No one can love you like I love you. Paul continues his thought when he says, For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. This is where we get the notion that Paul is a spiritual father. The verb is an active verb. It's translated here, became your father, but it's the verb to beget. I begot you, he says. I sired you. I brought you into existence. I'm the reason why you're a Christian. So he's using father as a metaphor here. The father as a metaphor, I mean, that still has some currency in our day, right? Founding fathers, the father of modern medicine, like we'll say this guy is the father of, I don't know, astronomy or something, you know. Catholics call their priest's father, something to that. Don't call me father, but uh, that's something to the uh, concept of the role of the pastor. There are other um, references in pop culture, fathers, okay? There's the sugar daddy. There's dad bod, dad jokes. You know what dad joke is? I said this one earlier. This is a dad joke. See if you can get it. My wife told me to add ketchup to the shopping list. Now I can't read anything. Don't laugh at that. That's dumb. Why are you laughing at that? That's dumb. After service, Channing comes up to me and he's like, I got one for you. Here's a dad joke. He says, let me see if I can write. He's like, did you hear the rumor about the butter? I'm like, no. He's like, I'm not going to spread it. (laughs) My goodness. Dad jokes. That was funny, though. That was better than mine. So Paul here is using metaphor of a father. He's their spiritual father. And they are his spiritual children. And they became his spiritual children through the gospel. Let's talk about that for a second. It's only through the gospel that you receive salvation. It is only through the gospel that you become a child of God. You're not a child of God simply because you're born, simply because you came into this world. You are a child of God when you believe in the message of the gospel, which is the good news about Jesus Christ. The gospel is the story of Jesus, his life, his death, and his resurrection. It's it's the story that tells us Jesus is the promised Savior. He's the promised 
Messiah, and he brings in the kingdom of God. He died for our sins. He rose from the dead, and he's now seated at the right hand of God. He's the Lord of lords, the King of kings, and he's coming again one day. He's coming again one day to fully bring the kingdom of God on earth, and you can become a child of God if you believe that about Jesus, and if you accept his blood sacrifice as your atonement, as your forgiveness, and then you're a child of God. But someone has to tell you that. Someone has to tell you that before you can believe. And Paul is saying, I told you the gospel, you believe, so I'm your spiritual father. And because I'm your spiritual father, this is what he says in verse 16, therefore, I urge you to imitate me. That's where I get my main point, right? Imitate your spiritual fathers. It's also the title of my sermon. Because I'm trying to like drive one simple point home. Imitate your fathers. Imitate me, he said. Do what I do. Look how I live and copy me. Imitating the father is a natural idea in the Bible. You see it all over. That's actually where we get the idea of the image of God, right? We're bearing the image of our father. In the ancient world, Bearing the image of your father was associated with the father-son relationship. That's how we can see Jesus being called the son of God and the image of God. He's both. He's the son of God and the image of God. When you look in Genesis chapter 5, verse 2, it tells us that the human race is called man or Adam. Because the human race bears the image of God like a son bears the image of, of his father. So Paul's drawing upon that concept. It's really natural to say, I'm your father, do as I do. I don't want us to miss this, okay? Imitation is essential to following Jesus. It's essential. You don't make it up as you go along. You don't just say, well, tomorrow I'm going to figure it out, and then I'll figure it out the next day, and figure it out the No, 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 it's not how it works. If you're a Christian, you're following someone. Right? What did Jesus say to his disciples? Follow me. That's what Paul is saying. Follow me, imitate me, so we should look at our spiritual father's lives and copy them. Being a Christian is a whole way of life. It has as much to do with your clothes as it does with your speech. It has as much to do with your time as it does with your money. It has as much to do with your relationships as it has to do with your Bible reading plan. Your whole way of life from Sunday to Sunday, sun up to sun down, at work and at home, it should be a godly way of life. And you learn how to live a godly life by imitating your spiritual father. Paul says in 17, this is why I've sent Timothy to you. He's my dearly loved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you about my ways in Christ Jesus just as I teach everywhere in every church. Timothy is Paul's dearly loved and faithful child. I'm sending, this is why I'm sending him to you. He's my son. He imitates me. And when he gets there, he's going to show you how to imitate me. This is important. It takes real life examples to know how to follow Jesus. You need real flesh and blood people in your life to show you how to follow Jesus. This is why we meet in person 
That's why it's hard when you meet only online. I, COVID has kept many people from meeting in person, and that's totally, I totally get that. But there's something about meeting face-to-face. I mean, if you read Second, Third John, that's what John says. He says, I have much more to write to you, but I want to tell you face-to-face. There's something about personal interaction. So, hey, I'm so glad you're here today, meeting face-to-face. The way you live, the way you act, people are watching, and that's how we know how to follow Jesus. So Paul, that's why Paul sends Timothy. So that's, that's the first point, the love of the Father. So Paul has, he's corrected his children. He's probably upset them a little bit, so he puts them on his knee, and he says, my son, my daughter, I'm not trying to make you mad. I'm trying to help you. So look at me, listen to me, and follow, follow me. The love of the spiritual father. Second is the power, the power of the spiritual father. That's verses 18 through 21. Paul says, and you can hear the tone, the tone changing, right? Now some are arrogant, as though I were not coming to you. But I will come to you soon if the Lord wills. And I will find out not the talk, but the power of those who are arrogant. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Paul's talking to his children, remember, so he can talk this way. He's talking this way to them. But there are real troublemakers in the Corinthian church. Bad people. And uh, they're arrogant, and they don't think Paul's going to do anything. They're testing him a little bit. Paul says, you know what, I'm coming. I'm going to come. We're going to find out who these troublemakers really are. These little trouble, troublemakers, these arrogant little fools. They don't have any power. They're all talk. They're all talk, is what he's saying. Well, what kind of power is he thinking of here? Let me show you two places earlier in the chapter, 1 Corinthians 2, the verses 4 and 5. He tells them this. Paul's talking to them. He says, My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not be based on human wisdom, but on God's power. He's talking about spiritual power, the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus says in Matthew 12, 28, after he just drove out a demon, he says, if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Where the Spirit is moving, that's where the kingdom of God has come. The power of the Holy Spirit drives out evil. That's the kind of power Paul's talking about. They don't have that power. They're arrogant. These words, power and authority, I could have used authority, the authority of the spiritual father. They may have negative connotations for our culture today. Power, authority, men with power. That's when power is abused. When power is abused, that's not the kingdom of God. That's not God's power. That's evil power. But the opposite of evil power, it's not harmlessness. The opposite of corrupt authority is not no authority. It's spiritual authority. And Paul, as a spiritual father, he wields this fatherly authority over the Corinthians. And so he says, what do you want? This is verse 21. Should I come to you with a rod or in love and a spirit of gentleness? When I was a kid, my mom, when I would like not do what she asked, 
she said, all right, you want to do this the easy way or the hard way? Like I didn't clean my room up. I'd always say, oh, easy way, yeah, easy way, definitely. But one time I was, this is a true thought. I'm like, what's the hard way? And so one time she asked me, I'm like, let's go the hard way. <laughs> Found out it's a spanking, and I still had to clean my room up. So either way, I'm cleaning the room. This is what he's saying. Listen, children, I love you so much. We can do this the easy way or the hard way. I want to do it the easy way. It's up to you. He's going to come, Paul's going to come and remove these evil critics. And that's the sort of father we need. That's the sort of spiritual father we need in the homes and our churches. They have incredible love. They would die for their children. And they have true authority, spiritual power that has teeth. It's not tame. It's not harmless. It's divine power. Well, I hope you have a better idea of Paul as a spiritual father and how he relates to the Corinthians 2,000 years ago, but what does it mean for us, right? What does it mean for us? Well, first, I hope you realize we need spiritual fathers. You need it in your life. And you must imitate them. But let's, let's talk about two ways we can apply this today for Father's Day. First, who is your spiritual father? If you haven't figured it out, only men can be spiritual fathers. If this was a Mother's Day sermon, I'd be probably talking about spiritual mothers. Okay, We need spiritual mothers just as much as we need spiritual fathers. But today, we're talking about spiritual fathers. The most natural place is your biological father. God has given the dad in the home the spiritual authority to raise his children in the fear of the Lord. That's what the Bible teaches. So that was my experience. A godly dad raised me and shared the gospel with me. And if that's your experience, you know, I'm 28 years old, but, you know, I should still imitate the godliness in his life. That should, that's probably true for many of you. Your dad was a Christian, and you can imitate him. And, and some of our dads have passed away godly men, but you can still think, what would he do in my scenario, you know? What would he do in this decision? That means he's still influencing you. Now, some of you don't have that, and let me just talk to the mothers real quick. Thinking of your children. Well, make it your aim to have your children around godly men. The men who have real spiritual power. You can see the spirit evident in their lives. And most of you have husbands who are doing that, right? That's, that's amazing. We have, we're blessed with godly men in our church. Acknowledge that in your husband. But some of you are raising your children without husbands in the home. So it's important that your children are mentored by the godly men in our church. We have plenty of godly men in our church, so we are very blessed. So just have them spend time with them. This is, that's what it is. You're just spending time. You're watching their way of life, and you're imitating them. And this is true. This is true for everyone. Children are imitating someone. They talk a certain way, they dress a certain way, they act a certain way because they're doing what the people they admire do. Are they imitating the godly men in their homes and the godly men in their churches or are they imitating the ungodly men in their schools and on their social media, on TikTok, on, at their jobs, on their sports teams. They're imitating someone. We're all imitating someone. 
We all need spiritual fathers, not just children. Men, women, all of us need to imitate spiritual fathers. And that could be really anyone. I mean, the first place to start is your pastors. Pastors are spiritual fathers. Also other leaders in our churches, deacons, worship leaders, Bible study leaders. But really it can be any godly man that you admire and that you can spend time with and be influenced by. If you cannot think of anyone, that's a sign that you probably should be more involved in our church. It's easy. Just jump into some of the stuff we're doing. Just be around people. That's, that's really all it is. Just be around Christian men. Join a volunteer group. Join a life group. That's, a, I would, that's the place to start. Join a life group. Second, to the men, how can you be a spiritual father? How can you be a spiritual father? Steve said the other day, a few weeks ago, when he was preaching, he said, if someone was to adopt your lifestyle, would they be able to follow Jesus better? That's convicting. Something a father would say, right? Something a spiritual father would say. That's a great question. Ask yourself that, all of us. If someone started living like you, are they going to be closer to Jesus? Well, again, dads, you are the primary spiritual father in your kid's life. You're doing an awesome job. I know a lot of you, um, I'm just so thankful for how God has blessed our church. Do your children see how you follow Jesus? Are they seeing your day-to-day? Do they see you praying? Do they see you reading your Bible? Do they see you repent? They're watching you, right? They're watching you. You are doing great. Just show, show them a little bit. Show them a little bit. Let the light in a little bit. Some of you may be like, you know, maybe I should start a, a couple of things. Maybe I should start praying before every meal. You know, maybe, maybe, you know, little things like that go a long way. Kids learn how to pray by listening to other people pray. That's one example. Um, but, you know, maybe it's not your biological child. This goes for all men. You can be a spiritual father to someone. Just look at your lifestyle first. Is should, should someone adopt the way I'm living? Listen, if you're godly, if you're, if you're a man and you're godly, people are going to be around you and they're going to be influenced by you. And that's an amazing thing. We want to honor that today. That's what we're doing here at Father's Day. Jump into any activity. Jump into any activity, men. That's why I ask men to be a part of Delray Kids. That's why I asked James. James over here, Keller. It's like, hey, help me out with Delray Kids, which is our ministry, children's ministry. James is awesome, but one reason is because I want them to have men in there too, you know, and, and women. I want both in there. Uh, same for Vacation Bible School. I've asked a lot of men to help out, and a lot of women, and, and that's the same idea. I want them around godly men, just to observe them, just to observe them and see their way of life. Being around people is going to create that opportunity. All right, well, here we are. Church, it's a family. It's a family. It's full of all kinds of things, right? Life is happening here. Twists and turns. Sometimes a pandemic comes and shuts everything down, and we try to scramble, figure it out. We celebrate. We mourn. We have surprises. We have disappointments. We go through life together, just like a family. And just like a family, we need fathers. And to be a spiritual father, you don't need to know Greek. You don't need to be a genius or study the Bible 10 hours a day. You just need love and the power of the Spirit. That's it. That's it. Let's pray.
Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out. Hope is here, lost our fire.